Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Morning Footy. FIFPro has issued a statement confirming that it's helping Nigeria's women's national team in a disagreement with the Nigerian Football Federation over unpaid expenses, bonuses, and other allowances that dated back to 2021. That's, that's me paraphrasing that statement right there. Um, for more on this story and the Nigerian Federation, we welcome in Mbizo Zimane. Mbizo, why do you feel like this was so important for, the Feder- uh, for FIFPro to kind of shine a light in the way that they did? Well, what's been evident uh, uh, moving forward from this World Cup is that they're going to have to address the issues that they had put on hold uh, in order to perform uh, the way they did in the World Cup. And obviously that paid dividends because they were absolutely fantastic in the World Cup. Uh, but these were issues that were not solved. These were issues that were put on hold uh, for them to, to solve later. And now they're looking to the Federation uh, to address these issues. And, and, and I think it's the right step uh, to have uh, have uh, FIFA Pro come in and and offer some support, uh, and FIFA Pro is not the only one, by the way, that has come in and said, uh, "Look, pay these ladies. Uh, they've been absolutely brilliant. But even if they hadn't been, um, this is what they deserve uh, as internationals and as professionals." Mbizo, do you think that there will be willingness to? cooperate by these federations because it seems like it's been kind of just brushed under the rug for so long and finally with the international exposure with the global exposure it's almost twisted their arm to act you feel like it can get it can get done I, I, I think it can. Um, I think it can get done. And obviously, as, as uh, a Pan-African and, and a football proponent, we hope that it can get done quickly. Um, sometimes you do need this, uh, this international pressure. Uh, sometimes you do need this solidarity from around the world, unfortunately, to twist their arm. Um, but I, I believe it can get done. And with the likes of uh, Victor Oshimen, Victor Anichebi, Ojioni Galo uh, coming in and, and saying, look, guys, pay these people. And, and we've had the same problems in the men's team and uh, demonstrating that it's a pattern uh, of behavior over the years. Um, I, I think it can, but it's, it's a long road. It's, it's absolutely a long road. And Biza, we've seen this tournament break records for ticket sales, viewership. Obviously, the attention of the world is on it. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like at home for this Nigerian women's team. You've mentioned some of the big star players that have come out of Nigeria that have sort of called for this federation to pay the players. What is the, is the, are the fans behind the players? Is there a bit more attention being put on the women's game? Is there a bit more of a, of a hope that they are pushing the federation to do the right thing here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, Alexis. Um, a lot of my networks have been talking about how uh, there's a huge fanfare for Nigeria at home uh, and that the fans have really been proud of what Nigeria has been able to accomplish. Uh, and the fans are also, uh, by the way, uh, getting tired of, of, of NFF not giving these players um, their, their dues. Uh, there, there were a lot of viewing parties going on in Nigeria. There were a lot of uh, uh, people coming together to support 
support um, this team. And, and so I think the fans, as much as the players, are hoping that moving forward, these kinds of issues do not derail uh, what Nigeria can potentially build. Um, on the continent, we believe that these women's teams, uh, the Atlas Lionesses, Banyana Banyana, Super Falcons, these are the teams that perhaps have the best chance of bringing a World Cup um, to the continent, uh, despite the, the women's game being so young. And so we, we really need these issues to be ironed out so that we can focus on what matters, and that's the football. When I think about Nigeria, <clears throat> excuse me, when I think about Nigeria, both women's and men's team, I always think of all a talented player. The talent is unbelievable in, in that country, both men and women. Do you think that if money was always there, money was paid, things were done more correctly by the Federation, that the consistency would be enough for them to go and win the World Cup on the women's side and even maybe on the men's side? Because you do see lack of consistency with the men's results as well. Like, Every now and then, they're one of the best teams in the world, and they're one of the underdogs in to, to win the World Cup. And then all of a sudden, they don't even make the qualification for the World Cup. So do you think that if things were done the right way, that both the men and women can find consistency and find building blocks to go on and maybe even win World Cup one day? Absolutely, and that's a wonderful analysis. I mean, this is absolutely what we believe. Uh, and, and as you pointed out, not only for these women's teams, for, but for every team at, at every level. Um, and unfortunately, these issues of mismanagement, uh, not just of monies, but of infrastructure, of systems, and so on and so forth, this is uh, symptomatic of some larger societal issues, um, because obviously football is not played in a vacuum. And I think everyone is aware of, of some of the uh, social, political, uh, social economic issues that, that underlie some of these federations in terms of the nations within which they operate. Uh, but we, we think that if that were to be um, sort of uh, examined and, and even beyond these, uh, these greater social issues handled, we absolutely believe that teams could compete uh, more often at higher levels uh, because we've seen with the talent that they already have, uh, some of it very raw. Um, they're able to push uh, some of the greatest in the world. And so if, if this was more deliberate, if it was more organized, uh, more sophisticated approach, uh, we absolutely believe that there could be more success. And Bizo, thanks for the insight. I want to move the conversation over to another national team, Brazil. I know you're based out of uh, Sao Paulo, so you must have had a first-hand witness on how the country took <clears throat> that very premature World Cup exit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, bitter disappointment, I think, from everyone involved. Uh, fans, commentators, players alike, uh, even Formiga, uh, who's now a, a, a TV analyst, a former player for Brazil, she said she she feels you know the pain. She she feels very pained by this uh, by this exit. Um, and unfortunately, one of the one of the stories coming out of this is people saying, well, why are the women's team wanting more funding when they can barely beat a, a team or they can barely compete against a team that had no funding at all, um, with sp hmm. uh, specific part to Jamaica? Uh, why are we giving them more money? when with the money they have, they can't beat a team with no money at all. And unfortunately, that's, that's the wrong approach uh, because anyone who understands football, who understands project management, understands that if a project's not going as well as you'd like it to, uh, you invest more, not less. Uh, and I'm not just talking financially, of course. I'm talking in terms of uh, intellectual investment. I'm talking emotional investment in terms of generating support uh, and fandom. So uh, we're hoping that the Federation is looking in that direction as opposed to allowing this disappointment to say, let's pull back a bit and, and go back to focusing on the men, which is default in this country, unfortunately. Obviously, we know Marta played her last World Cup, and 
you look back at some of her previous performances and just how in incredible she's been for the sport and inspiring she's been for generations and, and some of those iconic interviews that she's had after just championing both the women and the men of the future. What is the legacy that she leaves, not just in women's soccer, but just Brazil and internationally? Well, I'm glad you, you added that part of not just in women's uh, soccer, because uh, that is certainly my personal sentiment. I mean, we're looking at one of the greatest players uh, to ever play the game. Uh, but we live in a world where I have to make sure I reiterate that it's both men's and women's. She's one of the greatest players we have ever seen. And, and that is her legacy. Uh, I think um, there's no one in Brazil that uh, argues with that. Um, but I, I think people are just extremely disappointed that she was unable to win a World Cup uh, and to really cement her legacy on, on the world stage in that fashion. Uh, but certainly she has inspired so many players. Uh, she has inspired so many fans. Um, many proponents even have spoken about how they didn't used to watch women's football until they saw Marta play. Uh, and so that is her legacy. She has brought the women's game to not just Brazilian fans uh, and players, but uh, to, to fans all over the world. Uh, and it's a beautiful legacy, despite her disappointing exit. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, so when I looked at the Women's World Cup, there was 10, 12 teams that could actually win it. The odds said that they could win it. They had a lot of talent. Um, when I watched those 10 teams play, I saw exactly what they were trying to do. When I watched France play, I saw what they were trying to do. When I watched uh, uh, Japan play, I see the style. But with Brazil, when I watched them, I, I felt that they had uh, struggled to show a real identity. It was more as if they were depending on the, on the highly talented players, the players like Marta in the past. Uh, and, and to me, I didn't see a style. So how much pressure is the, is the, the coach on there as well and, and, and the whole team in general just into in terms of you know, they didn't, to me, look organized enough and know exactly what they wanted to do. Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, Sundaga has come under some criticism uh, for her tactics, for the uh, team's lack of flair. It's been referred to as, uh, and, and there's a term they use in Brazil here where they say personality, personalidade. They feel like the team lacked uh, the personality to, to perhaps go beyond the coach's advice uh, and, and to make their own decisions and, and, and sort of turn the game around. Um, I, I think moving forward, Brazil really needs to start to identify um, what, how they'd like to play. Uh, I think they have been slightly left behind by football in, in modern times. Uh, and I think they need to look deliberately at how to rebuild moving forward. Uh, and this isn't just a problem with the women's team, of course. This is something that's been happening uh, across the board. Uh, Brazilians have been quite disappointed with uh, the men's selections uh, performances at some of the youth levels as well. They haven't been performing a as well as they could. Uh, and so this, there's definitely uh, room for some change. There's room for examination of what Brazil needs to do uh, moving forward. Mbizo, thank you so much for joining the show and for such excellent insight this morning. We love having you on. Thank you so much for having me, folks. It's always a delight. Uh, okay, guys, when we come back, we're going to take a short break, but we're bringing Chris back. Yes. Why not? We're going to chat a little messy, going to chat a little inter-Miami. That's when we return. The inter-Miami debut of the greatest of all time, Lionel Messi. Messi approaches, he goes for it, and he on his debut has produced a moment of magic everyone came to see. 
comeback for Lionel Messi. First time strike into the bottom corner, and Messi's done it again. They lead Dallas by a goal to nil through who else but Lionel Messi. Messi goes for it into the top corner again. Another free kick goal, another brace. Messi again. Wow. Well, that was the voice of MLS commentator Chris Whittingham, who we are lucky enough to have on the desk today. Some incredible calls. Some now would have been, honestly, iconic and historic calls, especially in this country. Uh, Messi's first goal with Inter-Miami. So before we dive into just what that was like for you, tell us a little bit more about your connection to Inter-Miami. Yeah, so I've been working with the club uh, from day one, really. Actually, the, the first radio assignment I did for them was MLS is back. Uh, the, the bubble tournament huh. in 2020. We were broadcasting in masks. Uh, it was it was very bizarre. Out of yeah. where? Out of, in, out, out of the stadium. Yeah, they oh. like set up a a thing for oh. us in the in the stadium in one of the booths. Oh, I and, didn't see. Yeah. You. I didn't see you at MLS's back. We probably no, weren't right. the same tier. No, 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 I'm saying I'm saying a driving stadium, which is behind us right oh. now. Like in the state, there was nobody there. There had never been anybody oh, there. Wow. As a matter of fact during COVID, or like when the season got shut down, I was in the stadium taking a tour of the place. We're in the locker room. It's a pretty small room and there's like 50 people all together. And then like we, we read the news stories that are like, Oh, the season's canceled. Should we all be near each other? Yeah. But like that, that's, that's about... Don't, don't you remember that? I was on that tour. Maybe we weren't yes. together on the tour. I think we were together and, on the tour, and, yeah. And Jorge Mas yeah. was the one that kind of broke it to the world. You, yeah. you, know, you know who broke the story? The person who dropped the bomb was Grant. Yeah, Grant, Grant Wall, 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 yeah, the late Grant Wall, said, yeah. said, it's there's I they're gonna cancel the MLS. I remember gonna, seeing his tweet. And, yeah, and we were in with Michelle Kaufman in, in, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Going, in the in the what, press box. What's gonna happen here? And the club kind of launched under bizarre circumstances yeah. for that reason. What a strange. I mean, you're just taking me back now. I remember because <laughs> in that tournament, I would do Red Bulls games in this empty arena, and it's. I'm curious how you felt too, because it's it's hard to replicate like the energy that you get from the fans and just the players being hyped before games as well. Like I found yeah. that to be like a very unique challenge to still kind of bring that same like momentum and yeah. get people excited for what was going on when there were obviously so much so many bigger things taking place in the world. Did you find that challenging at first as well? Um, it, it was. It's interesting, like the place that I came from, which was. For the most part, the games that I called in the soccer industry were largely what they call off-tube, meaning you're calling them off-TV. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting fake noise, not fake noise, but noise piped into your ear. You're not actually experiencing it. So actually, I kind of got to ramp up in my experience hmm. of calling live events in person from empty stadium to like when they let like 4,000 people in for the last uh -huh. game of the season, socially just like, wow, that's a good crowd tonight. Like actually having this sound, like people reacting to the sounds of the game as they should was a welcome surprise to me. So yeah, I mean, it took it, like now from having been to Messi games, both calling them and I went to the Orlando game sitting in the stands, which is actually the first time I ever watched a Miami game in the stands. Um, but yeah, I, like getting to experience that, it would be very hard to go back to closed door, no atmosphere yeah. because the atmosphere around the club right now is crazy. Woody, how perplexed are you with how far Inter Miami has come in such a short <laughs> amount of time? Yeah. Because two different Inter Miami. You, you, right, were, exactly. you were calling games, and and I was doing beat, beat reporting. The club started. Yeah. And it, man, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Even from within this season, if you look at, I was looking at the the bench, it for the game against FC Dallas on Sunday, and you look at some of the players that were in that game that used to start for Inter-Miami, and now you see their names on the bench, it's like, that's, 
That's who was starting yeah. before? <laughs> it, it's completely two different teams. You go from rock bottom of the Eastern Conference, and to me, the thing that's been most exciting is that it just turned around like that, like a snap of a finger. I genuinely thought, I know he's messy. I know he's the GOAT. Right. I know it's Busquets. But not, I know like, it's not about, like this. I know it, you know, promising young Argentine yeah. Paraguayan signings. Like, you yeah. know that eventually it will work. But from day one, to win four games in a row, mm -hmm. when I think they've won five games in the regular they, season they, all they season. They hadn't won since like early May in yeah. Miami. It was in, in the league at least. Yeah, right. they, the they, they, they won in the Open Cup. But Correct. yeah, I mean, to go from where they were to where they are in such a short period of time, for all of this to have worked out, it was funny. After the first game, after that free kick goal, I was talking to somebody who like is at a lot of games, and he said to me, "That's the least Inter Miami thing that's ever happened." Because <laughs> normally it's it's a it's big expectations, and then for whatever reason, like even honestly, the the unveil when he first showed up, yeah, huge lightning delay. It's like of course the lightning delay was coming on this big spectacle, but since then it has been a magical ride. It's, I, I, you think back to. Phil Neville, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and some of the names attached to this, and now it's this. The thing is, you brought it up. They haven't won in a long time in MLS. They're doing really well in League's Cup. Is this team real, though? What happens I, when they get back to MLS? I, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, just in terms of, like, the week in, week out, mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, you have this single elimination carrot in front of you right now where if you win one more game, no matter what, you're playing for a spot in the CONCACAF Champions Cup next year. There's sort of that end goal, whereas you sort of look at the math of the Eastern Conference for Inter-Miami, and you're going, they've got a mountain to climb. People are projecting 43, 44 points you need. They're on 18 right now, so you got to get 25 or 26 points from 12 games left. That's basically winning two out of every three games hmm. for the rest of the season. So it's really tough. You also have an open cut. It's funny. There's a chance that Messi will have played eight games for Inter-Miami, meaning if they go all the way to the final of Leagues Cup, before playing his first MLS game, which will be at Red Bull Arena right. on the 26th because they're supposed to play on the 20th against Charlotte. One of the two of them will now go through to the semifinal and play on the 19th and either the third place game or the final. So Miami's MLS debut with Messi won't be until the 20th. So you have an Open Cup semifinal in between. So and how many, it's, it's, kind of, it's almost like the third most important competition to Miami right now. <laughs> it's MLS. Yeah. But how many of those games are going to be on turf? Because he's not playing on turf. You know, we looked at, with Charlie, we sat down. I think this would be a great exercise to do I, I, once MLS kicks off on the show. I, with Charlie at dinner, we looked at the remaining MLS schedule yeah. and we said, okay. Win, loss, draw. Yeah. We went through every... and. It's possible. Yeah. Now with Messi, it's yeah. like you you approach I mean, every single game with a completely different perspective. Also, too, just you're talking about one of the greatest competitors in the world, and you kind of talked about this single elimination carrot in one aspect, but but getting to a playoff positioning in MLS is also like this huge challenge that I feel like they're kind of embracing. And, you know, obviously the Messi effect is huge, but you mentioned Jordi Alba, uh, Sergio Busquets, Tata Martino. Like, how have all of them kind of come together at the perfect time to kind of deliver the results that we're seeing? And do you think that the team can kind of continue to grow and mold behind them? I think there's a level of competitiveness and intensity mm -hmm. that we're seeing from the three of them, the, the three big signings in particular, where they've come straight in. And normally when we see big name DPs, some of the questions are about how much are they going to care? Are they going to be invested like they should be? And I think the fact that we've seen them from day one sort of feed off each other, having that competition and genuinely caring and wanting to win titles and add to their, like, it's sort of, 
that same level of motivation for a big European club, but for Inter Miami. And that's why the possibility yeah. of them going all the way to the MLS yeah. playoffs, the MLS Cup playoffs is possible because I do think they're going to carry that into every yes. game that they play. As you asked the question about turf, I think he's going to play on turf Oof. because yeah. I, I, I do risk because it. I don't I don't think you have much of a choice Messi's if you're not if, if you're Dr. Martino, like, Messi's like, never got, had like a massive injury that's kept them out forever. Not I just I just don't think I, mean, I, 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 think I wouldn't even it. say that out loud. Uh, he's, <laughs> but the, he's getting but up there in age. You know I don't think he's play, ever though. played on turf. I, I know so. that he wasn't. He's such a professional and he takes care of his body so much that. Okay, I, I look. Yeah. I have it's, it's, it's two games, by the way. It's at Atlanta mm -hmm. and then at Charlotte, Charlotte, which is the final day of the season. So you're telling me that if Inter Miami have a chance to make the playoffs on the final day of the season, Lionel Messi's going, nah, I'm not playing. Don't want to do my knee on. You turf. think Lionel Messi will sign off on that? You think Don Garber will sign off on that? You think Tim Cook will sign off on that? <laughs> you think Bobby Adidas? I don't know what your name is, sir. Uh, who runs Adidas? <laughs> you think they'll sign yeah. off on it? I, this is a lot of money at stake. For this yeah. guy, unless it's there, the I, chance I, of missing the play. Hey, he's a competitor. He's a competitor. He, I don't think he's going to exactly. sit out. I, now I want you to take off your sports broadcaster yeah. hat and put on your native Miami hat. Yes. And I want kind of – people think I'm, I'm almost like exaggeratedly pro, uh, proud and, and, and excited for this moment. You, with you and your friends and, and your circles, <laughs> yeah. how, how do you feel – yeah. about Miami, yeah, Messi coming to Miami. It's the, the level of excitement for Inter-Miami is unlike anything we've seen, even from when they originally launched the club, when they played that first game in L.A. I, I flew out for it. It was my last trip before COVID. Um, but, like, the, the level of conversation, the amount of people that want to learn more about Inter-Miami, that, I, hey, I've, I, I'll be honest, I haven't been following the team. I'm jumping on the bandwagon. But, honestly, just being around the city, mm -hmm. hmm, the number of Argentina jerseys, you know, frankly, knockoff messy jerseys yeah. that people had printed somewhere that are not the real thing, but there's, they just want to wear the pink. There are Miami murals and Miami Heat yeah, murals. right. Yeah. There's a giant billboard driving down I-95, yeah. And, like, you go into downtown, there's a huge <laughs> facade of a building, like Messi, that. with his arms folded. And that's just not something we've ever seen before. And, I've, and by the way, I've also seen it in my travels, you know, calling games for MLS. I went to New York, big Adidas store in, in downtown off Fifth Ave. Huge messy billboard. Uh -huh. I, I was in Toronto. There was a sporting goods store, and in the window is a knockoff Inter Miami messy yeah. jersey. It's not even the real thing, but they just want to have something in the window that people will be attracted to. I, it's not just Miami. It's nationwide. I it's international. I feel like we we might have even covered it on the show that like we were seeing jerseys being sold before he was like even officially announced. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. yeah. like, seen the M, yet. the E, and the S, the I, the one, yeah. and the zero, like to try yeah. and make something out of this. There are um, knockoff jerseys in Israel. A friend of mine sent me a picture of a knockoff jersey. In Israel, our boss sent uh, me a knockoff jersey of Messi in Croatia. Yeah, like, yeah that's so when cool. When has though. an this MLS jersey ever been sold on a knockout knockoff store yes. in the middle of the street? Just before we wrap, like along the same lines of all of this excitement and energy that he's brought, like when you were calling that game, and just did you? I know, I know when you're locked in doing, you know, working, and you, you know you're in the moment. But did you have a chance to just take a step back and just? appreciate what you were witnessing and what yeah. were the emotions that kind of came to you? Well, from a broadcasting standpoint, the first emotion is fear. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, not only don't mess this up, but you feel, and I, I kind of thought about this after the fact, like, Ray Hudson has called so many of Lionel Messi's yeah. goals, and he puts such poetry along with yeah. it that it, anything you can say almost feels 
like it can't live up to that. And so you do want to produce something that people will remember those moments by. But honestly, there was this moment in the Cruz Azul game when that free kick is in the air. Well, I feel like I blinked. And in that time, it was like, you were processing, oh my God, this is actually happening. Yeah. Like this is, the ball is going to fly into the top corner and Messi's first game is going to be him launching it in and sending Miami on their way. And it 100% did. I kind of wonder if maybe that free kick goes over the bar and even if they win the game on penalties against Cruz Azul, there was something in the moment and how it was captured and how beautiful I, I it was. It's magisterial. <laughs> really, yeah. Right, 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 exactly, right, yeah. exactly. And I think that has sent Miami on their way in this tournament and they're sort of riding that wave. And now you've got a home game on Friday against Charlotte to get to a semifinal, and at that point, you'll be playing for a spot in next year's CONCACAF Champions yeah. Cup, and then you start to dream. Then if, they play the, then if they play the CONCACAF Champions Cup and they win it, then they're playing in a home club World Cup, and Miami fans can start to dream four games into this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This, all of this makes me so proud. I know you're so happy. He's like beaming Native Miami. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. And you that almost proved that he's not over-exaggerating, which the rest of us don't like. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great to hold it, it over it, his head. It, it means so much. Right. Right. We've, our, whole, our whole lives, we saw the fusions for How old were we when, when the man yeah, fusion Yeah, right. So we don't even I, remember, I was telling that story to somebody yesterday that, like, you, when you're seven years old, you're going to the Miami Fusion, and there is something about not having a club for 20 years yeah. that only makes this more significant. Mm -hmm. My God, I didn't have a team to support, and now that team that has come from nowhere has Lionel Messi on yeah, it and, could, I, and can start hoovering <laughs> trophies. It's made Miami look like a good sports town. Oh, come oh on. Seriously. <laughs> come on. No, the fans. Come they on. haven't released the rules of being a good Miami <laughs> Heat fan. Honestly, I'm showing up on I mean, time. The, the, la it. the last year for us has been pretty good. We got to a Stanley Cup final, yeah, got NBA to an NBA final. finals. Final four uh -huh. is about the men's and the women's side. But two teams on the men's there side. We're, we're, we're doing well right now. And now we've got Messi, and you can start, like, they can win a trophy in two weeks' time. They can they win could. a trophy. I'm, an, I'm yeah. a Knicks fan. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I got uh, nothing. We, we, we make the NBA Finals for fun in Miami. Oh, yes. <laughs> for fun. Chris, awesome having you on. Thanks yeah. for sharing your insight as well. For, for this one, thank you for this one. That you, yeah. he, has, he has a friend to chat about all of this with. Uh, when we're coming back, we we're going to take a look at the UCL qualifiers. Plenty more coming your way. to the next round of the competition. Well, this could be the chance. It's on his weaker foot, but he puts it in the top corner anyway. It's another goal for Fredericksburg. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at some notable UCL qualifiers. PSV with a huge win yesterday over Sturm Graz. Uh, this one, Pepe made his debut in the 84th minute. Big win there for PSV. And an incredible story here. Klocksvik is ahead in the aggregate. And we just talk about the magic of these qualifiers and why you watch this and the story behind this team, how small of a country it is. When you're watching this, what are you thinking? Klocksvik beating Molde is probably one of the biggest upsets of the year, at least in one game. It's the Faroe Islands against a Norwegian team. Molde, you think? Erling Braut Haaland came out of yeah. Molde. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer managed at Molde. They've produced players. It's an established club. 
Klaxvik. It's a, it's yeah. the Klaxvik from the Faroe Islands. <laughs> Pronounce the second word. Klaxvik. Klaxvik. Yeah. Listen. Twenty six hundred people capacity in their stadium. That just gives you sort of context of wow. Two thousand six hundred. It's like a high school soccer game. You They're know. If, if the people probably need to like cross water to get to the stadium. Yeah, there's probably boat parking. Yeah. <laughs> at the stadium. But 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 the the challenge though I think for Molde is you know you go to the stadium how do you get up for it? These are difficult games because this means so much for for a Klaxvik but and then Fredericksburg with two goals 31 years old. Legend. He, he might you know what I mean and now he's going to play potentially Champions League football if they can continue through the qualifiers. It's this really interesting story. Their most valuable players listed on transfer market as being worth 300,000 euros. Uh, to a guy by that's the name a of that's Alor, a lot, Alor Hansen. I wonder these, Europe is so fascinating. I wonder how the Faroe Islands decided to like come together as a conglomerate of islands and say, we're gonna represent a nation. How much do they care about football really culturally? Like what do they do? Like these guys, are, these guys are semi-pro. Probably, maybe not even earning a salary. What's the league like? What's this is so remote yeah. from the greater soccer picture and the fact that they which beat a, why it's so, a team from a pretty yeah. big European country, which, which makes it, I guess, so remarkable. And, and that fan video just kind of gave me like you know the shivers a little bit because you mentioned it's such a small state. It is. It's like for context, it's like a high school game essentially, yeah. right? At like one of these bigger high schools. And the you think your high school would have beaten Klaxvik? No. No, no, I'm talking. Three hundred thousand euros. I'm talking capacity. I'm talking capacity-wise, but yeah. no. Actually, my brother played on my high school team with me, so for sure we would have lost. 100%. I, you know what? Look at the stands going crazy for this goal. I mean, this this kind of tells you that maybe we don't know everything about the the league in the Faroe Islands. We don't know how much how important football is there and how much it means. But I can tell you that this is inspiring a lot of people after this. This could change this is awesome. the future. Hold up. You play college ball. Yep. You think your college team could be Klaxvik? I would, I would imagine so, yeah. I would imagine so. That's pretty epic. But listen, I, I, I'm not an expert on Klaxvik. <laughs> I, I, I have to watch more. You've got to go know? scout them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some big fixtures coming up ahead as well. Rangers taking on Servette in this game is obviously a huge one for the Rangers, especially the way that last game went for them and, and how they've performed in Champions League in history so far. How do you think they're approaching this? Rangers, Rangers has got to make Champions League group stage. This is as big as this gets. Ibrox lives for these European nights. And Servette, team from Switzerland, you'd expect Rangers to, to cruise through. That, you, that Europa League run that Rangers had to the final against Frankfurt was amazing. And you could see how much the, the city, well, particularly Rangers fans, obviously, thrive off of these moments. They can, it, it makes your season. Mm -hmm. And if Champions League just, just, just takes it up a notch. What, what, yeah, for Scotland to be considered a two-team league, I know we always say it, Rangers have to do well in outside of competitions as well. This yep, is a big they opportunity. Do. They really have to show up, especially, you know, losing players like Malik Tillman moving on. They didn't, uh, you know, Celtic had Celtic had an incredible season last year. There's a lot There's a lot of questions being asked of Rangers right now. They really need to step up to the plate. And, and if you want to know the level of the Champions League, like, and how good Rangers is as a club, 22 goals against in the group stage and only two goals for. I mean, they did have a difficult wow. group. They had Liverpool, yeah. Ajax, Napoli, but still. Yeah. 
you talk about levels, right? They got blown right? out by Liverpool that game. Levels. And that yeah. was what? Yeah. That was for... They the, made the group stage for the first time in 12 years last season. Because they had one... Oh, excuse me. No, never mind. I was going to say a fallacy. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of touched good. on it, though, Alexis. What they need to do differently this year. And is it is it in taking it more seriously? Because I don't know that it was necessarily a question of that. But, but such a vast differential in the numbers that you're bringing up. So what needs to be different this year for them in, in these these games? I think it's difficult for them because they play in the Scottish Premiership where they're the big bosses. They dominate the possession. Yeah. They dominate the stats. They attack. They score goals. Now you play Champions League, you're, you're the, the, one of the smaller clubs. Not the smaller clubs, right. but of less quality. League. So you're for me, the obvious one place. is defend, defend more. De- you have to defend. You what's have to what's hit a realistic counter. goal in a group stage for Rangers? Europa League. Unfortunately, if they get out of the Champions League group, that's a huge, huge win for them. That's That's a huge result. That's the story of the season if they make it out of the Champions League. Yeah, of course, which is, it's unfair to say. And for years, they were talking about possibly Celtic and Rangers finding a way to get them into the Premier League. Uh, You know, doing something because they're the two biggest clubs in the Scottish Premiership. They deserve to be it. You kind of have to show up in these European competitions. What do you do differently? I don't think it's taking them more seriously because obviously the fan base, the club, everybody wants to. It's It's about the investment into the club and finding a way to invest in players, whether it's playing more defensively, that can play at that level because that's where Rangers and Celtics should be. I think the, st- the stepping block, though, the next progression is to obviously not be that team in the Champions League that doesn't Correct. Does, doesn't sniff a game, that just Correct. gets run over every single time. Yeah. I think, you know, build upon that. Get, be a contender. The Europa League is a perfect example if they finish in the third slot. If Sheriff could be Real Madrid, you could win a couple of games. Come on. <laughs> oh, maybe sometimes it's even one game that you need to win and get a couple of draws and you clinch that that third place spot. Yeah. That would be the story of the season is making out of the group season yeah. Champions mm-hmm. League. Depends on what group. Ibrox deserves European Knights. Okay. We've got plenty more coming your way when we come back. When we return, Chris is back one more time with the headlines of the day. A little bit more to get through today on uh, this episode of Morning Footy. Let's get to the headlines this morning. We'll start first with Paris Saint-Germain, who kick off their league own campaign this weekend. And Kylian Mbappe won't be playing. According to a report from ESPN, PSG will leave Mbappe out of their season opener against Lorient on Saturday amid a contract dispute. Mbappe has refused to sign a new contract with PSG as he enters the final season of his deal. And PSG is determined to sell the French star if he won't sign a new contract. PSG is reportedly considering leaving Mbappe out of their August matches, if not the entire season, if he refuses to sign a new deal. In Americans Abroad at Transfer News, Matt Turner has completed a transfer to Nottingham Forest in a deal that could reach $13 million. The USMNT goalkeeper leaves Arsenal after two seasons, playing seven matches for the Gunners in all competitions last season. He now joins a Forest side searching for a starter after having Keylor Navas on loan last season. Turner's departure from Arsenal comes as the Gunners finalize a $38 million transfer for Spanish goalkeeper David Raya from Brentford. Staying in North London, Tottenham is at a busy summer on the transfer market and now just turning down Harry Kane offers from Bayern. Tottenham finalized the transfers for Dutch defender Mickey van de Ven and Argentine striker Alejo Veliz from Rosario Central, announcing both on Tuesday. Van de Ven joins on a $55 million transfer from Wolfsburg, while Veliz arrives in a $16 million move from Rosario Central. 
We go from England to the Middle East. Former FC Barcelona and Spanish legend Andres Iniesta has signed with UAE side Emirates Club on a one-year contract. The 39-year-old midfielder was a free agent after leaving Japanese side Vissel Kobe after five seasons. Prior to that, Iniesta won 32 trophies with Barcelona over a 22-year period and is remembered for his World Cup winning goal for Spain in the 2010 World Cup final. Emirates Club begin their campaign in the UAE top flight on August 19th against Al Wasl. We go from a player at the end of his career to a player just starting. USL Championship side Sacramento Republic made history on Tuesday with the signing of 13-year-old Davion Kimbrough, making him the youngest player to ever sign a pro contract in American team sports history. The California Jeez. native joined Republic FC's academy in 2021 at age 11 and has since scored 61 goals in two academy seasons. He is eligible to play with the leaders of the Western Conference in the championship on Saturday against Birmingham Legion. Guys, 13 years old. He's going to be a professional player in the USL. This is absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, what were, what, were you, Alexis, so what were you doing when you were 13? Uh, not that. Uh, <laughs> I was saying, I'm sorry, officer. I'll never do it again. Uh, this kid's going to be prom king, right? I mean, <laughs> in, in five years, he's going to be prom king. I just, I feel like 13's a bit premature from, from year, no? an institution. Not even. It's like eighth grade. My, my big concern was by the time I got to 30, I was pretty done with going to training and being point. fit and eating right and there's a lot of sacrifice and you miss every single weekend you travel a lot you move a lot there's a lot of ups and downs it, it, it takes it out of you and uh, at 13, if you start that journey, oof, I don't know what that looks like when you get to 30. Man, we obviously How don't done, know. I think the fear is that you get burned out, you know? So I would always, I would, if I was him, I would try to manage uh, my emotions and sort of make sure that you got a good balanced life because I think by 25, you're, if you're, you're done. You're a parent. If one of your kids at 13 got a chance to go pro, after what you just said, what, what advice would you give them? I'm not sure. I, I think I would... Me personally, I mean, this might not be the popular decision, but I, I would I would like him to be a kid for longer. Right. I don't know yeah. if that's. We, I don't want to downplay this. Right, this is amazing we, news. No, no, like, we don't know. We he may be a great. The surroundings, yeah. of, yeah. the context sure. of this, maybe he needs to go pro. Maybe you yeah, know, yes, you don't yes. know what the situation yes. he is. But from the outside, it looks like a 13-year-old signing a professional contract, thrust into a team of. Grown men. That, that, it's, think, it's a lot. I it's think a lot. we're only seeing this well. because it's Sacramento. Mateo, that's your kid's name, right, Mateo? Well, my oldest is, is Mikey, and, and, Mikey. and the, I have a younger name, Mateo, but my oldest is nine, and he's playing with a stuffed animal yesterday. Okay. If, Four uh, years away. Yeah. Uh, like, yes. If Napoli calls in a few years and says, Ooh. we want to sign oh, then Mikey. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Send them right over. Are you 100%. He's his agent. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah, sorry. We're his agent. You know? No, I can't. I have to do morning footy. No way. That was the last of Gorilla on, on the CBS <laughs> Serie A coverage. We're going to see him on Sky yeah. Italia covering Just, his son on Napoli. a couple of uh, espressos <laughs> on Napoli. We've got plenty more coming up. When we come back, we're going to look back at uh, Copa Libertadores coming up. The round of 16 results coming your way when we return. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at the Copa Libertadores round of 16. And Nico, why don't you take us through what took place last night? Yep, second legs got underway. Fluminense in the Maracana beat Argentinos Juniors. Argentinos fought to the very end. Late drama there. Bolívar held on and took Atlético Paranaense, last year's finalists, to penalty kicks. And the most successful Bolivian team in that country's history with the upset there. And 
Inter of Porto Alegre beats River Plate. That is also a very big result for the Brazilian team against a red-hot Riverside from Argentina. Johnny Cardoso had a fabulous series, I would say, and, and he converted a penalty kick in, in a crazy penalty kick shootout. We, we touched on at the top of the show. It, it was wild. Yeah, we asked you about just, just how devastating is this for River now going forward? Yeah, it, it is pretty devastating because you invest a lot into the club, mm -hmm. especially in the transfer window when maybe some of those signings couldn't play yesterday because it was way too premature. Um, and, and now they can't play. You're eliminated from Copa Libertadores and you have to wait a whole another year. And after having won the Argentine League just a couple weeks ago, you, you crash out. It's, it's, it's a very bitter pill to swallow for, for River fans and for the cl club in general. They, uh, and if you watch the game, they let in two set pieces that I thought Oof. were... One was unlucky, one was preventable. It was just a simple, terrible marking inside the area. And then they just left it so late. They get a goal from a set piece, so it ends up being three set piece goals. But then, uh, with only like in, in the injury time, it was like five minutes. They had like five Man, chances. Yeah. Inter was better through 90 minutes. They were leading 2 0. They, they had a nice, proper turnaround. Great job. And then when River scores in the 90th oh, minute, it was like five, six, seven chances for either. Inter collapsed. They yeah. were so lucky that it would have been a, a massive bottle job had they lost that to, to River. What about your team? Boca, nil nil against uh, Nacional? Very bad performance performance last week. Yeah. It was rough to watch. Um, You're a bigger club than Nacional. You should win that. It would be a massive failure if Boca don't get through Nacional. Today, by the way, is very likely going to be Edinson Cavani's debut for Boca after coming from Europe. Funny enough, I, f I found this on Twitter. I want, I want you guys to see this. A random fan um, one year ago in, in July of 2022 tweeted this. Um, if until Cavani comes to Boca, I don't release my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he get a cage that big? <laughs> what? It's like what? And not only the, the user, the user is a woman, so she trapped her own grandmother. It, it usually, this is usually like such a dude thing to do. Her name and, is Riquelma. Riquelma. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she went. You know what? This Grandma, is funny. stay put. And one year later. Cavani shows up to Boca. They should have invited Abuela. Grandma released. To in the cage and release her at the stadium <laughs> during the announcement. You know? That would have been perfect. That would have been great. No, yeah. but Cavani will make the difference. And I think Argentina as a whole have a little bit of a bigger problem here. There's only two teams left uh, Man, in the competition. Five Brazilian teams, right? The, the big rivalry there. So you, you that's the one. On a financial uh, head, you cannot compete with Brazil. It's, Argentina's not at that level, and they can invest, and it's Boca River, and then always some other team that's kind of, kind of just put it Racing all in the blender. Racing is still in it? Racing, Racing is in it. Trailing yeah. to Atletico Nacional. It yeah. looks like Atletico Nacional might get the edge. That game's on Thursday. Really underrated. Good game, that game. Who else has momentum right now that you're looking at that you think could maybe pull an upset? Mm -hmm. Upset. I don't think Racing's going to get by. I don't think there's going to be any no more, more upsets. No, the Brazilians are going to get through. Okay. And and then it can get tricky. But then it's just like pretty top teams fighting it out. The 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 how do you call it in the March Madness when it's eight teams left? The Elite Eight. Elite, elite Eight. eight. <laughs> yeah, the Elite Eight of okay. South America. Uh, quickly, because I, I just don't know this. Why was Boca your team? Just of the Argentinian teams? You, why you was that the one? Okay. Boca. So that's familial for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very. 
Okay, very good, guys. So lots of games to look forward to. Uh, we've got some Women's World Cup action again tomorrow morning. I believe, No, tomorrow evening, I believe. So we'll be yeah. chatting yep. about that tomorrow. 9 p.m. Grella, do we have you tomorrow? Or is this just a midweek special? No, not special? tomorrow. Yeah. Not tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Right. But I had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Of course. Enjoy the day, everyone. We'll see you back here again tomorrow morning.